We're going to look at the book of Luke tonight. The book of Luke, as we once heard many years ago. The book of Luke. I had a preacher friend say the book of Luke. We're going to look at Luke. Luke, the beloved physician. Boy, what a, a great person he was. A Gentile uh, called a physician by Paul and Colossians. We're in Luke chapter 8, by the way. But, and, and a man who was committed to Christ. Now remember, he was not one of the twelve. Matthew and John were. Mark and Luke were not. Mark's actually better known as John Mark in your Bible, but he and Luke were, were two of the gospel writers, but not part of the twelve. But Luke uses so many medical words. It's amazing how uh, brilliant of a doctor he was, and many of the words we trace back, the etymology of the word, and find out they were medical words. Still, some of those are used today. Now, throughout the Bible, we have medical words. The word ortho, the word straight, we straighten our teeth orthodontist, orthopedic, straightens arms. He uses those, but he also uses several words. In chapter 28 of Acts, we're not going to turn there, but he uses words that are still uh, great terminology for medicine today. In Luke 14, he uses a word, the correct word for a woman with a disease of water. He uses a correct Greek term. And I have placed in the lobby about five... um, copies of something I pulled off the internet if you want to look further at uh, Dr. Luke and his use of the words. He, he writes about 20 miracles. And just think of this physician writing about miracles that Jesus performed. And he seems to be a compassionate guy because he talks a lot about compassion, about kindness, and Jesus' kindness to women and to poor people, to weak people, to sufferers and people who are outcast. And so he, he really talks about that a lot. And I think it's a great thing when a physician has compassion. And of course, he uses so many great scriptures to speak of compassion. And he's the one that that gives us the phrase son of man, calling Jesus a son of man, a term found way back in Daniel, remember, that speaks of an incarnation that God, Jesus was God in the flesh. Not just the son of God, but God in the flesh, the son of man. So look at Luke chapter 8. Stand when you find it and we'll read just a few verses. Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. And it, and it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing glad tidings. The phrase glad tidings, the Greek word is the word evangelize. Evangelize. It's a, you don't need to know that, but it's the English evangelize. So he's preaching, that means to proclaim, and he's evangelizing uh, in regards to the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And by the way, that's a phrase used a lot in the Bible, the twelve. Twenty-five times it's used speaking of his followers. After Judas betrays him, then he calls them, they're called the eleven in scripture six times. So they were with him. And a certain woman which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Now Mary Magdalene must have been sick. And of course the devil preys on weakness, doesn't he? Because he's a no good for nothing, you know? He's gonna, he's gonna pay one day. But he, he, the Bible says, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. Now, there's only one devil. It's seven demons. There are millions of demons. One diabolos, the devil who can only be in one place at a time, and I'm teaching too much. I need to read the text so you can sit down. So here's Mary Megalene and Joanna, the wife of Shuez Herod's steward, and Susanna and many others which ministered unto him of their substance. God bless us. We need you every moment and every hour. We thank you for the music. 
which prepare the hearts, the opportunity to give back to you during our offertory time. And now I just pray that you'll have your hand on me and speak to hearts through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now here is, I call Mary Magdalene the unnumbered disciple because she's not mentioned with the 12, but she's always there. She's following along, always with the Lord, and you see that so many times. There are many Marys in the Bible. Mary of Rome, and Mary the mother of John Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark, and, and Mary the mother of James the Less. Uh, also, she's called the wife of Cleopas. And then Mary, the mother of Jesus and James and Jude, two of our gospel writers. And Mary, of course, Martha's sister, who took that ointment of spikenard and anointed Jesus' head with that. And, and that was very costly, wasn't it? They say it's valued at a year's pay for those people in that day. And it was a thick, oily substance. And I heard a young preacher boy say he got all excited and shared about what he'd learned in his Bible class. But that ointment would soak down in his hair and in his garments, and he probably didn't go right to the dry cleaners that day. And so Jesus had a smell pretty good. Did you know he's sweet? Did you know he's a sweet Lord? He didn't just smell good because uh, of the ointment, but he's sweet all the time. And he was our sweet Savior who was anointed to die. But the name Mary's found 51 times in the New Testament. And there's 20 variations in the Bible of the word Mary, Miriam and Maria, and of course, Mara. Remember, the word Mary means bitter. Must have been difficult to say goodbye to her mother, but the name goes way back and the meaning goes way back. Remember, Naomi said, don't call me pleasant anymore. That's what Naomi meant. Call me bitter because God's been unfair with me. You ever blame God for things? Oh, it's all God's fault, and God's been unfair with you. And the song this morning was good for me, because God is good. God is good, and God is love, and He's sweet, and He's provided a great Savior in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the name Mary Magdalene is found 14 times, and it has nothing to do, uh, the, na- the last name Magdalene has to do where it was, excuse me, with where she was from, Magdala. And the, na- the word Magdal- Magdalene means tower or castle pertaining to that place, a place where they made dies. And I think it's interesting because she's listed first so often in Scripture. In, in Matthew chapter 27, it says in verse 56, amongst which was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Jesus. So she's listed first all the time. In uh, Matthew 27, 50, or 61, and there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. And it just keeps going. In Matthew 28, there came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to the sepulcher. And you just keep going. It says in in Mark 15, among whom was Mary Magdalene and Mary. And then Mark 16, Mary Magdalene and Mary. And then Luke 24, Mary Magdalene and Joanna and then the mother of Jesus. So always mention first, why? Because she was the one who was the most devoted. You have to, you have to see that in scripture. We'll see that by the end of the hour, but she's always listed first. Now, there's some false teaching that's gone on about Mary. She was not a prostitute. The area she was from was known for things like that, but there's no indication in scripture or outside sources that she was a prostitute. The Catholic Church unfortunately started that in 1324. That a council determined Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. There's no evidence of that. 
Maybe she was, but there's no evidence. And we have to be careful presuming things. I don't know of a man who'd want to be with a woman that had seven de- demons in her. <laughs> but uh, she, she's not a prostitute. But what, what she was was a born-again child of God. We're going to mention four things about her. First of all, Mary had been regenerated miraculously. She had been regenerated miraculously. Now, let me stay for just a moment today. You never have to fear, if you're a born-again child of God, that you will be possessed by a demon. You cannot be. Because the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your life the moment you got saved. God sent the Spirit into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. If any man hath not the Spirit, he's none of his. You don't have to fear that in your life. He does not have that opportunity. Why? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So you never have to worry about being possessed. But she had been possessed because she wasn't a believer. And so she had been regenerated miraculously. And I, I love Mark 69 refers to us as one who had had seven devils cast out of her. Our text we read, these seven evil spirits. And I think about that number seven in your Bible. Uh, scholars tell us it's the number of completion. So many books written on numerology. And it's a big thing in seminary to learn all the numbers and what they mean. And, and sometimes people teach some things that are not correct, but seven's clearly the number of completion. You think of the days of creation. And think of Jericho, the seven days, and marching seven times, and on the seventh day, and all those things, and naming seven times in, in, in the Jordan River. And you think of the seven churches and vows and trumpet judgments and all those other sevens in your Bible. And you realize it is indeed the number of completion. So she was completely dominated by demons. But you know what? When the Lord saved her, He completely saved her. A miracle. The demons are gone. She's completely regenerated. All things are passed away and all things are become new. I love that. I love that. Tonight we'll see that in film. But I love the fact that when God saves us, He does a complete job. Amen? Seven demons gone, and she's completely regenerated. That's so good. Thank you, God, for that in our lives as well. So she was uh, regenerated miraculously, and then she ministered humbly. Here in our text, it says they ministered unto him. Some with their money. I don't know if she had money, but some listed here gave to his ministry. But we know she ministered because we find later as well in in, uh, Mark chapter 15, verse 41. It says here, "Also, who also when he was in Galilee followed him and ministered unto him. So she mentioned her name and said she ministered unto him from the time he was in Galilee. So early in the Lord's ministry, Mary Magdalene is born again, and what does she do? She humbly ministers. She waited on him hand and foot. You know, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you better be a humble minister now. Uh, You know, I don't want to be an autocrat. I want to be a servant. I told a preacher the other day that I'm just a servant to the sending churches, and I'm a servant to our missionaries. You know, I'm nothing but a servant, and that's the greatest thing to be, to serve others. The word is the word ministered here is translated servant elsewhere in your Bible. Now, there's two different words that are translated servant. One means slave. That's not the word here. We are slaves. We belong to God. It's a good thing to have a master like that. Amen? But that's not the word here. This is the word servant translated, ministered, translated servant, and also translated deacon in 1 Timothy chapter 3. What are deacons? Servants. 
And what are pastors? We're supposed to be servants. I'm also supposed to be the overseer, the bishop, the episcopos means to look over things, spiritually overseer, but I'm supposed to be a servant. And guess what? We're all supposed to be servants. Humble servants of God. And if we can't serve each other and be a blessing to each other, we got to check to see if things are right. Because here Mary Magdalene mentioned 14 times in the Bible, and what do we read about her? That she was a servant. I love that. I love that. So she's regenerated miraculously, and she ministers humbly. Third, she followed faithfully. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 55 says, And many women were beholding him afar off, which followed him from Galilee, ministering unto him, among which was Mary Magdalene. So here's Mary. She's following him faithfully. Some believe, we don't have evidence of this, some believe she was possibly at the trial, the mock trial of the Lord Jesus. She may have viewed that. We don't know. Again, the Bible doesn't say. So we have to be careful stating something like that with, assur with assurance because we don't know that. Some believe that we don't know that. But we do know she was at his death. In John 19, 25, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. The only time she's not mentioned first. But she was at the cross. I, I love that scene at the cross where John, another very close person to Jesus, John's the one whom Jesus loved. Of course, John wrote that. But we find his head on Jesus' chest, always close to the Lord. And in the end of life, he said to John, take care of my mother. And so his mother here is mentioned first, but we know Mary Magdalene's also mentioned here. So she is here at the cross. Uh, while others went home, look at John. Take your Bibles and look to John chapter 20 and verse 10. John 20 and verse 10. I want you to see this because to see how much Mary Magdalene stands out in Scripture, you'll want to see this. John 20, verse 10. The Bible says in verse 10 and then verse 11, Then the disciples went away again unto their own home, but Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. Don't you love that? I mean, I don't love that the disciples all went home and they were all hiding and they were all afraid. I don't like that. But who was there? Mary Magdalene. She's there weeping. Why was she so devoted when everyone else was hiding? The men were gone hiding. The fear they had gone home. Peter denied him and Thomas doubted, but not Mary Magdalene. She was devoted. And she's sobbing. She didn't quite understand that he'd come back. And she's sobbing and weeping, and I, I just love the humility here of Mary Magdalene. It didn't matter who was looking, she was alone. You know, so many times we live our life to impress other people. That disappoints God. So many times people give something, they want everybody to know what they've given. And even Jesus uses a hyperbole, he exaggerates and said, don't let your right hand know what your left hand doeth. I don't want to know what anybody gives to this church. Your giving is between you and God. But, but I want you to know this. He sees everything we do. And He knows what we do. So do it for Jesus, not to impress other people. And Mary's here when others are hiding, and she's here at the sepulcher. I just love that about Mary. She was also at His burial. 
In Mark 15, 47, we know she was at his burial. And she's just consistent and faithful. And we know she was at the resurrection. We, we just read that. But think of being the first one to the tomb. And then she wanted, she came early because she wanted to anoint his body. She wanted to cover him with oil and anoint him. That's a sign of respect. And it certainly speaks of his Messiahship. And she's there and she wants to anoint him. It's just such a wonderful thing to do. And she's there. And the Bible says in Mark 15, 47, and, and, and this is a verse I also have to read. I have my verses typed out here. 1547, it says here, and Mary Magdalene the mother, and, the, and Mary, the mother of Joseph, beheld where he was laid. And this Greek word means they, she looked, Mary Magdalene looked with a purpose. Why? She wanted to come and anoint him. It was so important to her. She was intent on finding out where he was. She knew where he had been. Of course, he'll be gone by the time she figures it all out. But she comes there with a purpose. And then in Mark 16, 9, it says here that he appeared to her first. Now, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to who? To whom? Mary Magdalene, the most loyal the devoted, humble servant of God. God blesses humility. You know, I, I love Mary, and I, I love that about her. Years ago, I had a couple in my church, and they, they, he wanted to, they wanted to come talk. She wanted to talk. And so he said, hey, we want to talk. She ended up talking. She said, I don't understand this. I've been a Christian since I was a little girl, and Dana got saved here in Panama uh, at our, in our church there. And he said, why is it that he's so on fire for God, and he's just witnessing, and he's just going crazy for God, and I don't feel any of that? And I said, I'll tell you why. <laughs> he had a lot of grace. Mary Magdalene had so much grace. Can you imagine being controlled by seven demons, and then Jesus delivers you from all of that? That's a lot of grace, man. And that's why I explained to this young couple, he's, got, he's on fire because he's been saved from so much sin. And he understood the wickedness of the world. Well, you were saved as a young girl and we're never in that severe sin. And he's experienced so much grace. Now, God's grace doesn't always seem fair. You know, why is it that a guy that, I knew a guy who had committed murder and now he's a preacher and he goes into prisons and preaches. Why is he so on fire for God? Because he understands the grace of God. He understands the grace of God. And we all have to understand that we were still sinners, even though maybe we didn't commit murder and maybe we weren't possessed by seven devils, but demons. But here, here's Mary Magdalene and she's, she's just got it, man. She's on fire. And she's here. Yeah, I love it because the 11 were the second to see him. She was first. And then she was also the one who would run and tell them. In John chapter 20 and verse 2, it says in John 22, I like this as well, it says, then she runneth. Here's Mary, a woman dressed in women's garments, having to hold up her, her she didn't have pants hanging way down to her knees, you know. She's holding up her, her gown and her garment, and she's running. You know what that word run means? It means run. I'm, she's giving it everything she's got to go tell Peter and the disciples, he's alive, he's risen. And so he appeared to her, and she's running to tell them. Do you know what they thought? Mark 16, 11, they, they didn't believe her. Said so they believed not. 
He's alive. He's risen again. Oh, it's just a woman talking. Oh, no. <laughs> she had seen the Lord. Let me tell you something. When you see the Lord, you'll run. When you see the Lord, you'll change. When you see the Lord like Jacob who walked differently, you'll be a changed person and you'll walk differently after God touches you. And this woman was on fire and excited and running because she had seen Jesus and she knew he was real. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 11, you can turn there if you want. It'll be the last place I'll have you turn. But in Luke 24 verse 7, maybe we'll go to John. I'm sorry, I shouldn't lie to you, but I, I just thought about a verse in John. But it says in 24 11, and their words seem, and there, Mary and, 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 and Joanna and the mother of Jesus in verse 10, tell the apostles these things. And the Bible says in verse 11, and their words seem to them as idle tales. And they think she's just telling it. This is not true. This, this can't be true. Idle tales. Now, how many times did Jesus speak of the fact in one way or another that he'd be resurrected? Destroy this temple in three days. I'll raise it back up. He spoke of his death. They still didn't get it. You know the sad thing about us with all the scripture we have? Sometimes we still don't get it. We just don't get it. We mope and we murmur and we complain because we didn't get a pay raise or our ball team didn't win and I can be the worst poor loser. And I, when I was an athlete, I was a poor loser. I'd do anything to win. And we get all wrapped up in the affairs of this world. You know why? We just don't get it. We're pilgrims here. We're just passing through. This world is not at all. These things don't matter. We're on the winning team. We have a lot to look forward to. And Mary got it, man. She didn't care about anything but Jesus. And she's running and she, she, she tells them and they think she's just telling tales. They didn't believe her. So she's here at the death and the burial and the resurrection. She's the one running to tell them. She was probably at Pentecost, although she's not named. It says the women were there. Always following the Lord. And I just had the feeling that after Jesus ascended into heaven, Mary Magdalene lived for him till the day she died, don't you? I can't imagine her living any other way. So devoted. So devoted. I mean, she had been, uh, you know, regenerated miraculously and ministered humbly and followed faithfully. And finally, she had been broken completely. To be possessed by seven demons had to be... Uh, a, a, a life of humility. When she came to her senses and realized what people had thought of her, people just would avoid her. I've met people, you know, over the years, I, I met a couple people overseas that I thought were demon-possessed. I knew Lisa was, lady who'd come to our church for years and you know, just distracted, and I told you the story of her and how all the different things she did to ruin our church service. Cussing and swearing and coming during the invitation, distracting and, and taking our Bibles and selling them and, and tearing our restroom up and throwing a microphone at me when I taught on possession and just the, all the things she did, and then she was miraculously saved and eventually became our nursery director. That's amazing stuff. But, you know, after she got saved, there was a sense of brokenness about her, Lisa. Certainly it was with Mary. Why? They knew what they were. There's something about that kind of person that never thinks of themselves more highly than they ought to think. 
And that's what I want to think about myself. Without God's grace, I'm nothing, nothing but by his grace. And you are nothing without the Lord's grace in your life. Never think you're better than anyone else in the world because you're not. He is the reason you're even here today. She was broken. In 11 chapter 20 of John, we'll go there. and As the old country preacher said, we'll park there for a few minutes. The angels ask her in chapter 20 and verse 13, why are you weeping? They don't understand salvation. The angels, you know, don't understand the things we understand. Did you know you're a greater created being than the angels? And certainly greater than the animal kingdom. Kind of frustrated when I look at TV and there's so much compassion for dogs. I'm like, why don't they just put that poor dog to sleep? It's going around with, you know, in a wheelchair type contraption and, and all that. And I understand loving your dog. I love my dog. But I wouldn't mortgage my house. I'd put my dog to sleep. But I mean, the world sees animals as more important than fetuses, they call them. I mean, you know, it's just amazing. We don't put a great value on the soul. We, we, we are confused as to how important human life is and the soul of mankind. Now, these angels didn't understand it, but they're asked, why are you weeping? Then verse 15, Jesus says, why are you weeping? And I paraphrase that. Woman, why the weepest thou? Why are, you, why are you crying? Why are you sobbing, Mary? She says, I don't know where my master is. I can't find his body. I love Jesus asking questions. You remember when God says, why art thou cast down? Jesus says, why are you weeping? Whom seekest thou? Who are you looking for? I like that. Counselors ask questions. It's a good form of getting people to open up. And they say it's really helpful to be a good listener. Every man knows in marriage, boy, you got to listen. You don't listen, you got, you got problems. You know, listen. Listen. And he was a great counselor, wasn't he? He was a mighty counselor. The child born, Isaiah 9, 6, says he goes on to be the mighty counselor. The everlasting father, he's, he's God. He's the son of man. I, I had a fellow say, uh, and you, I, I've said this before, I don't like it when a preacher gets up and says, bless God, we don't need psychologists. And I think, what a dumb thing to say. The word psych is the word soul. Who better can take the logos, the word of God, and help your soul than a Christian counselor? I mean, so we do need Christian counselors, and they are actually called psychologists. I don't give you two cents for a secular psychologist who doesn't know God, because how can they take the word of God and help your soul? They can't. They don't know God. But he was a mighty counselor. And so he says, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Questions. It's a good question to ask. Why are you weeping? We're not supposed to weep as others that have no hope. I know I missed my dad when he died. I wept, but I don't, don't think I wept for him because he had had Lou Gehrig's disease, and I, I wept I wept because I'd miss him. 
I, I missed my healthy dad that would throw baseballs to me, go to my ball games. Nothing like having your dad at your ball games. We'd had a fight one time, and it was so nice. I was in the locker room thinking the other team's going to be waiting on some of us. And I come out, and there's my dad and my two older brothers and my brother-in-law. And I thought, well, I feel safe. I'm tough again. Uh, they should have let me just get whipped, I guess. But there's something about the presence of your dad, and I miss my dad. So I sometimes weep because I miss him. But I didn't weep for him when he had passed because I knew he was better off. <laughs> but sometimes we weep for ourselves and we don't want to be transparent enough to admit it. Mary Magdalene, why are you weeping? You know, when Jesus wept, he always wept for others. Did you know that? Remember when Lazarus died, he wept with Mary and Martha. That's what he tells us in the Beatitudes. Weep with those that weep. He didn't weep for Lazarus. He knew he'd be raised. <laughs> he wept because he knew their pain and he felt their hurt. Then he looked out over the city of Jerusalem and he wept because the people were like sheep without a shepherd. He wept for others. He wept for others. In Hebrews it says he, he weeps for us as he intercedes for us. He's still weeping. He's weeping for us. He feels our pain. He knows what we're going through. He's been here, done that. I don't think he has a t-shirt, but he's been here and done that. Amen. Mary, why are you weeping? He said to the children of Judah, don't weep in Jeremiah 31. You're going to return to the land. You know, the Lord knew that one day Israel would have the land and be restored as a nation. He said, don't weep. Why are you weeping, Mary? Mary's weeping. Because you missed your Lord. If you missed your Lord. I love Mary because she received so much grace. And she had so much joy. I, I love Mary because she, she had been regenerated. She had now humbly served, followed Jesus, and she was completely broken. And let me just say this to you. If you don't realize this, you're going to come to a place in your life where you're going to be broken. You'll never be much for God until He breaks you. He's going to have to break all of us, and sometimes He breaks us over and over again. I've been through experiences where God has broken me, and I thought, oh, I feel so bad. I'm just so embarrassed. I'm so I'm so humiliated. I, I, I'm just so down and out right now. And I, I just really, I don't understand why this has happened. And the only thing I can do, I'm down on my back, is I look up and there he is. And he pieces it back together. Or he gives you the grace to go through it. I, I can't understand. I, I've known people who have lost a child, a small child, and I don't understand that. The way my father-in-law was saved, I've never shared this with you, but I don't think I have. He was an alcoholic, military man over in Okinawa, Japan. And my wife's brother walked out of the house, I think he's about four years old, and walked down into an area that was the gate was supposed to be locked and went in there and he grabbed a hold of some electricity and they found him. He was black, Harold, just fried. Now, they could have sued they didn't do that. They wouldn't want to, every time they spent the money, to think about him. But you know what happened? 
Al Sly was broken. Norma was broken. They didn't know what to do. But they accepted Jesus as their Savior shortly thereafter. And he preached for 35 years before the Lord called him home. I'll tell you something. If you're not saved, if you're not saved, I'd repent right now. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Trust Him in salvation. Repent of your sins. And if you're a believer and you're walking high and mighty, God's going to bring you down. He's going to humble you to form you and mold you and make you be what you're supposed to be in His kingdom. It's time we get on our knees and realize what we are. Nothing but by God's grace. But thank God with Him. It's awesome. It's awesome. I can rejoice with Mary Magdalene today because my Lord's alive. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Speaks to me every day. Abides with me continually. Comforts me when I'm discouraged because he's a mighty counselor. He's Lord of lords and King of kings. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Lord, you're so awesome. We just praise the name Jesus today. Jesus, 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 what a name. Savior, what a friend you are to sinners. Your compassion and the fact that you weep for us when you pray for us and, and care about us and never leave us, thank you for that. Thank you for saving Mary Magdalene. Thank you for saving me. And God, if there's anybody today that needs to come for any reason, the altar is open for salvation. For any reason, just help them to come in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.